Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Well, this is a new series. We're calling it Series 8. It's the end of year review best practices. And we hope it's very timely for everybody as we approach the end of the year. We have three episodes that we're going to share with you guys that hopefully will help you prepare for your best end of year review yet. And hopefully, if it, if you don't have all the data you need for this year's, hopefully it sets you up for a successful year in 2019 and many years to come. So, Brian, as we've been doing over the last couple of series, I found a quote that I thought was uh, somewhat very specific to this time of year and it says in business words are words explanations are explanations promises are promises but only performance is reality that's a quote by harold Geeney. he was the president of itt corporation uh, and pretty much says it all we can talk about excuses and a lot of other things but don't you think that that quote nails the end of your review process I do, I do. Another one I like is the uh, the whole "don't tell me, show me" thing. Yeah. So, um, yep, very much so. Especially with kids, right? I mean, get all the kind of the promises, and you get this and that. But it is a lot of "don't tell me, show me." Love it. Yeah, I have a I have a fourteen year old son that's very interested in Fortnite. So that's the one thing we punish him with now is we take Fortnite. And last night we had a long argument about him not being able to play Fortnite, and he didn't think it was fair because he didn't do his homework right when he came home. But we kept going. Did you do your homework right when you came home? He said, no. I said, What's that? I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> uh, you didn't do the thing, so show me next time. So uh, this is all about the end of your review best practices. It's a three-part series, as I mentioned. Each episode has great content, and we hope you listen to all three shows. The first episode is going to be about getting started. Really, how do you need to go about managing yourself and the data that you need to collect throughout the year? to have the best performance review you've ever had. Episode two is about getting prepared. This is where you put it all together. You you put it all together in a beautiful deck, a beautiful document, the tool that your company uses, but you prepare and give, deliver more than any other person on your team. And then episode three is where the one everyone's gonna like, we hope, and that's getting rewarded. So this is where you earn your rewards for the year. This is where you get more than you probably expected to get based on the data you put together. And that's where we'll wrap the series up. All sounds good, Bobby. This is all very timely, too, so let's jump right into it. Sounds good. Before we start, I want to tell my worst annual review story ever. Um, but before I tell that story, Brian, what, what's your worst story, best story? You pick. I won't put you on the spot to tell your worst story, but uh, <laughs> give us a story of your one of your annual reviews. Worst story and best story. I, I would say I, you could probably pick a number of my first, you know, two or three years in technology sales as the worst. It was, it was very unprepared. Um, I didn't come with the agenda. I was looking for my boss to come with the agenda. Um, I certainly hadn't aligned what I'd done with my uh, commitments. Um, the, really, the only thing I was focused on was, was did I hit my quota? So I kind of showed up with the meeting to the meeting knowing what I did from an, uh, from an achievement year-over-year performance standpoint, but that's about it. Um, so not not a not a huge miss, but maybe a lot of small misses. If that makes sense. How about you? Well, I would say um, this story is one that uh, if these guys are listening, they'll definitely remember the day and remember the story clearly. 
But I was probably, it was my first real manager job in the tech industry. I was running a small services team. And it was tough, man. This was uh, about the year after 9-11. This might have been the months after 9-11, right? So you go September into January where we're doing these these performance reviews. And uh, the guy that actually hired me for this company worked for me on this team. And he comes in my office. He'd been doing a lot of different things. He'd been at the company for seven or eight years. And long story short, he was the highest paid guy. He wasn't performing for lots of different reasons, but... Um, mostly the company's fault it wasn't his fault but we had to we had to cut somebody so I, I had to let him go and then the very next guy comes into my office literally as I open the door uh, for his performance review and the other guy walks out and he high fives him and said did you get fired awesome I'll get all your bonuses and he was joking it was just a joke but oh, to no. be a first year manager Having to do these massive changes, which to me, let the guy go that hired me on that team. I was a police officer before this. Um, he was devastated. You can only imagine the emotions thinking about insurance and his kids and everything. And this other guy walks in, just just terrible timing. And uh, I think I learned a, long, a big lesson on that day about really being professional, really finding time to give people to breathe between those conversations. Don't, I never schedule them back to back anymore. Um, lots of hidden lessons learned in that 30 seconds of transitioning. Uh, but it was, it was tough. Yeah. We almost need to do a series on first, you know, first line manager, first time manager, uh, learnings. Well, we'll just call uh, that don't do the screw ups that we had. That's exactly so. right. I can, I can think of a dozen, uh, for shows. So, yeah. Well, hey, if you're listening, the, the the beauty of this podcast is really we're doing the same thing now. We're trying to share all the mistakes we made. Um, if you're a, a one, two, three-year employee at a company trying to start your sales career, hopefully this saves you a lot of pain and heartache. Um, and we'll share more stories, but the goal is that you don't make the mistakes we make. Okay, so this week's all about getting started. Um, if, if you think about the annual review review process it really does start on the first day of your new year you need to understand your goals you need to understand what's going on you as a first line individual contributor i made a ton of mistakes by not understanding what i was being measured against and how i could accomplish each of those goals as a first line manager i made mistakes by not holding my team accountable all year and then trying to tell them what i thought they did across that entire year by looking back I see a lot of coworkers scrambling every year for the data that they, that they need for their annual review. I like to jokingly tell most people, you know, newsflash, you're going to have an annual review almost every year. Um, the only reason you wouldn't is because you don't control it. Um, the companies that skip the process, you can still make that process happen. And then solving for the scrambling is really pulling all this data together, keeping the key points top of mind all year. Managing your manager with one-on-ones and monthly reviews and quarterly reviews and mid-year reviews uh, so that you're in control of the process and you don't let the process control you. Brian, you mentioned that your first few years were you making the mistake of hoping or letting your manager drive the process. What kind of high-level tips would you give the listeners about what they need to be thinking about if they're in their first few years of a sales career? I think it's about being intentional. So, you know, we all work really hard in our job. We're, we're trying to understand what our commitments are. Uh, like you said, you're, you're, you know, when you first get rolling in the job, it's whether it's about how many dials you're making or how many new customer meetings you set up or how many, you know, how you help your customer's business grow. Um, it, you know, you've got a very defined set of metrics and 
if you're exceeding you know, expectations, if you're meeting expectations, if you're missing expectations, it's just important to know where you stand and being very intentional about that because I think it all, it all, uh, you know, kind of culminates into the final topic we'll talk about and that's getting rewarded, right? So we, you know, of course our salary is, is something we work hard for. Our commissions is something that we work hard for, but there's opportunities for bonuses and, and opportunities for stock. And, if you're not asking for it, somebody's asking for it. And the people, you know, what do they say about the squeaky wheel? It always gets the oil. Um, so it's being very intentional, Bobby, I think, about um, <clears throat> what it is you're 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 aiming for, what, what you've accomplished over the past year, and being in very intentional with your conversations with your manager, too. No doubt. And I think that uh, if you work on it all year long, it makes the process very easy. It makes the discussion pretty easy. Um, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but there should never be a surprise at the end of your review. You should go into it fairly confident knowing where you stand, knowing where your manager thinks you stand, uh, and kind of how that conversation is going to be going. But at the end of the day, it is a, it is a negotiation. Uh, anyone that says otherwise is lying or ignorant to the fact that you are negotiating, whether it be a raise, whether it be stock incentives, whether it be uh, more time off, that you, you can control those asks as well. You don't have to necessarily cry about it, but you can definitely ask for a lot uh, and then get what you want. Yeah, there's certainly a pool of money that's been set aside, whether that's bonus money, you know, gift cards, stock um, grants or stock options. There is a there is a bucket of incentives for employees that are performing. They want to. It, there is no secret that there is a uh, oh, there's a war on talent right now. Try, companies trying to find the best people. And they want to retain the best talent. So there's that bucket of money. Um, it's it's time to uh, set aside a good plan to get yours. I would throw in there a little bit, too, that if you think your company's losing money and they tell you there's no raises, there's some executive committee trying to keep the best of the best. Uh, they don't want to lose the talent. As Brian said, there is a push to keep talent, find new talent. Uh, great talent is always valuable. I have a friend that's a VP uh, at a company – that I won't even tell you what they do, but they're having tons of struggles. He just got a 33% retention bonus to stick it out with them for the next year, one big check, and I'm sure that check's pretty fat, right? While they're laying other people off, while he's laying other people off, he feels bad, but that's how the world works. That's how business works. You know, you gotta keep good people around to get through these tar- very hard times for sure. Yeah, what do they say? I mean, to to break out of these struggles, it's you you can only fix the bottom line so much. You got to fix the top line. So the revenue producers, which is the sales type roles, those are the people that fix the problems. So uh, there there is no doubt that money is being assigned to help retain top talent. All right, so let's jump into it again. So this week is all about getting started, and in this this week's episode, we're going to talk a lot about um, getting started, understanding your company's review schedule, understanding how you'll be measured, and understanding where this process, the whole thing around performance reviews, sits with your leadership team in general. That's going to be a key part of you understanding how you have to drive and work together with your manager on this stuff. So basics here in the beginning of this this podcast, understand your company's review schedule. Uh, my review schedule is kind of kicking off right now with a goal to be done, I'm assuming, in the late February time frame because our fiscal year ends at the end of January. Um, I would say 
at a high level, the leadership team, the, 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 the executive leadership team, talks about the process being important, but I have not seen that flow down through the organization since I've been there over the last four or five years. Um, Brian, what's, what's it like where you work or, or where you've yeah. worked in the past? Kind of what's the schedule and, and how do you manage it? Again, let's, t- let's stay at the annual level for right now. Yeah. So for us, there's uh, there's an annual assessment that happens at the end of the financial year or the fiscal year. So for us, that is the end of January. We kind of have an ongoing review process kind of as the year uh, progresses, but then it all kind of culminates at the uh, end of the financial year. And I try to tell people all the time to, to use each one-on-one as a, as a small chunk in towards that performance review, right? How are you doing have the conversation with the manager, but at that annual schedule, there, there will be one big meeting more than likely. And then I like to tell people, how are you measuring yourself? And then how's the company measuring you? We've talked about it in, golly, every episode at some point, I would think about what are we trying to accomplish? For us, we're both a little coin driven and we're a little bit trying to get out of this uh, minutia world before we're 100 years old, right? So we both have two pretty big goals we're trying to solve for, and that's money and then early retirement. But the company may see it differently. The company may give you commitment-based incentives. Uh, we had a bunch of those when we were at Microsoft, uh, probably way too many. Uh, at, at Dell EMC, man, I have one goal, and that is quota and quota alone. I don't, I don't have a lot of other things distracting me, um, which I think is a benefit, but I also think it kind of makes people a little selfish at the same time. But that's in, that's the world we live in. Um, there's all kinds of companies that create MBOs and other goals that have different weighting, uh, which could also add weighting to your compensation. So um, know how you're being measured by the company and then know how you're measuring yourself. Any kind of reflection or story where you missed the mark on one of these that, that cost you some, some real money, Brian? I'd say I, I, I see once we and I'll, and I'll kind of tell a story as we get into the uh, the episode here. But I'd say just early on, just lack of intentionality in in the entire process in general, which probably cost me money and opportunity early in my sales career. But I think you know one thing you kind of taught me early in our mentor mentee conversations, and I kind of learned by watching you about just being very direct as to what my what I wanted to achieve with my manager. And as long as I'm doing my job and exceeding at my job, uh, there was a lot of yeses with that stuff. Yeah, and then the next is the understanding where it fits with your leadership team. So let's jump into the schedule a little deeper and talk about how we manage that process today with our managers and, and with the companies that we work for. So we talked about the annual portion but there should be this weekly, monthly, quarterly drive that you have as an individual that will help you throughout the year. And one of the tips that I had at Microsoft, I don't remember exactly when it came, but uh, to use Outlook and categories around any kind of non-revenue-based incentive that you have and flag those activities, whether they be meetings, whether they be tasks, whether they be emails, with those, with those categories uh, so that you can easily query Outlook and create a great performance review at the end of the year. So what I'm saying, if you're not familiar with Outlook, is in Outlook you can right-click almost anything and put a category on it, and you can customize those categories. So I could have partner enablement as a commitment uh, on my annual goal sheet, and then I could have a category in Outlook that was partner enablement, and everything that I was doing around partner enablement could be flagged, and easily go back and show my manager, my leadership team, my team, my partners, how much time I was spending on partner enablement. So use tools 
but also understand, you know, what you're being measured and then track it. Not, not at the end of the year where you're trying to pull all that data together and you're scouring for it, but more on a weekly, daily basis inside the tools you have at your fingertips. Yeah, it's the worst. We, we've, <clears throat> we've all been in the situation where we've been at the end of a fiscal year, at the beginning of an annual review process, and we're trying to remember, okay, this is my commitment. What are the things I did? Oh, yeah, I did that project back in February. What are some keywords I can search for to, to, to remind myself of the things that we delivered or the reach that this project may have had? And Bob, we've talked about two things just in the past six, 60 days um, on the podcast, and that's around sales productivity and um, about uh, stretch projects, stretch assignments. And these stretch projects and stretch assignments line up very nicely with your annual review process. So like you said, tag them. And we'll have in the show notes, we'll have a, um, a screenshot of how to do this. And then when it comes to sales productivity, there's nothing less productive than having to search through 10,000 emails to find you know one reference point to a commitment that you have. So why not tag it as you go? So when it comes time to uh, do that in a re- review process, you've got it all right at hand. One more tip that I do is I keep a OneNote tab for accomplishments. Uh, I doubt I'd ever let anybody read that that sheet in my OneNote notebook. But um, if I help another employee, if I help somebody with uh, a problem that's in another division, you know, you f- you'll forget about all that stuff. Twelve months is a long time, and a lot happens. And you hear people say, "I forgot I slept since then." Right? Twelve months is a really long time. So it you got to keep a running list of everything that you're doing. Maybe keep a couple pages based on category, your big wins and how you won those and, and almost a win wire note to yourself so you can tell that story in your performance review. That has to be intentional. That has to be done all year. And those things need to be discussed in one-on-ones. So I, we'll talk about it a lot, but we also at this point where we're starting to get ready and we're trying to understand our company and their review schedule, we need to know how much our boss accounts for this process. Does he really care about this process? Does she hold it very important in her list of things that she's trying to accomplish? Um, and we'll talk We'll talk in the, th- the last part of this podcast about how you can do that more. But then understanding really the time that you and your manager, you and your leadership team are going to spend on this. Are you going to talk about it every one-on-one? Are you going to have at least one performance monthly one-on-one? Is there some quarterly process? I've worked for companies where there was a mid-year review, and that mid-year review um, was company driven so you had a tool and if you didn't do the mid-year review you had a red x and no one likes red x's on scorecards so understand how that's going to be managed and if it's managed with a tool like that there's ways you can help your boss be successful with that red x as well indeed and and for those of you that work at a company that has a quarterly or twice annual review process um, they can do bonuses or uh, raises um, at one of these periods oftentimes. So don't just think that, let's say that maybe you're under-leveled, you came in at a, at a lower level in the company, but you've worked your way up and up and up, but you're still kind of relative to your peers under-leveled, but you're performing at a really high um, level. Um, push for those promotions to happen kind of out of the annual cadence. So uh, as Bobby said, get, get familiar with the process and you drive the conversations. Great call out. There's something called a spot bonus that every company has as well, right? So if you do great yes. stuff, they can give you spot bonuses. Again, talent is expensive, and it's really hard to get and keep really good talent. So I wouldn't ask for a spot bonus, but, um, God, there was something at Microsoft called a golden coin or something, a golden spot. There was something. 
I don't yeah, know what it was, yeah, but there was something. I know. Yep. I think I gave you one of those, but um, there was some reward that you could give to an employee that was doing exceptional work, uh, and it was it was a big award. It wasn't it wasn't a hundred dollar gift card to Starbucks. It was a good chunk of money. Yeah. The so those things are out there, and then you can get a promotion or raise outside of annual review. So that's probably the biggest thing that I heard you say that that you were calling out. Do this all year long. If you if you're trying. To be a 65 at Microsoft and you're a 63, then try to get a 64 this half or next half, but be talking about it all year. That makes the conversation real easy at review time to say, hmm, I thought we were talking about this all year. Why am I not getting a promotion? Um, Promotions, even levels, are cheap. Those bands overcross one another. They don't have to give you a million dollars just because you jumped a band. Agreed. And I I think probably look at these awards in a couple different lights. So you have spot awards. Um, those are typically uh, uh, an award for a past performance or some, something you did, a project that you delivered, a task that you did really well, a key customer that you landed. And, and you know, make most, no mistake, it was, it was for past performance, but it is because they want to keep you around, obviously. But think of stock, uh, stock grants or stock allocations or raises as them seeing your future potential that you're going to offer the company and by being strategic and being thoughtful in this process that that leads them to believe that you are going to add more and more value as your career progresses with the company and if 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 they see that being true and you continue to deliver they're going to give you more stock that's just the way this works and have that candid conversation with your manager on which is more important to you. Yeah. If you have a baby on the way, I'm sure the short-term goals are going to be much more important like cash or money. And if you're empty nesters, the long-term things might be more important, stock or long-term cash awards. No matter what those are, make sure you're having those conversations with your manager. So now that we know the review schedule and the importance of the review schedule to your manager and their leadership team, we need to get our arms around how things are going to be tracked how we're going to track them and how they're going to track them. Most companies have a scorecard of some sort. We were discussing just before this episode that we needed to have a scorecard for our podcast so we could review some weekly numbers. I never thought that I would have a goal of a net new unique listener per week. And it's up. It's up. (laughs) So thank you. Yes. And share the podcast, please, if you don't mind. But we all should have goals uh, that we're measured by, of course, as salespeople, our number one goal is always going to be a, to attain quota. Compensation is key, but there's other important things to you and the business. MBOs, commitments are important, but at different times in my career, they've been more important than money. Depending on what I was trying to accomplish, maybe I was trying to become a manager and I would, in essence, let some of that money go for opportunity to spend with leadership teams or participate in different development programs. Those would have been the candid conversations I was having with those managers at that point. Anytime where money has meant less to you, Brian, than maybe, say, recognition or another accomplishment, maybe an expat assignment? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it goes back to we, I mean, it really does line up very tightly with our last series Um around stretch projects and assignments. I think we invest time and effort in different programs and different projects with, um, with a long-term or midterm view on an impact it could have on our career. And we always kind of jokingly say, but it's, it's very real that the time that's invested in these activities, these commitments, um, that there, there's a return on these things and that can be, 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, or pounds or euros for those listeners in the UK and Ireland. Um, but it has a return, Bobby, I think, uh, whether it's uh, something directly that's written on your uh, review or a direct um, bonus that's given to you, or it's a an assignment that you've been given or a project that you've been given or a program that you've been put in. Um, these things all have midterm and long-term impacts on your career and your earnings. So it's up to each of you to, to articulate to yourself and to your manager where where a reward or where an accomplishment will fit for you. Um, or a merit badge for that that example we used in stretch projects is it short term, mid term, or long term? And you guys are going to have to work that out together uh, to make that a successful venture for both of you. Um, so make sure you have that discussion and make sure you understand where your manager sees those as well. <clears throat> so we now understand the company's review schedule. We understand how we're being measured. And how we're going to track some of that stuff. We talked a little bit about categories, but the, keep it in OneNote or Evernote. Keep a list running. Maybe it's a Trello list, Brian, for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of tools and ideas. If you have them, share them in the comments. But the net of it is keep a list for yourself all year long so that you're not trying to scour this data later on. And it'll make your life a lot easier come come review time, whether that's mid-year or end of year. The last point. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say here. And, and maybe this kind of dovetails into the last point here, Bobby. So, I, you know, I think the, I think the fear for some people is if you come, sh- if you show up to your annual review and you've got a list, like look at, I think some people are afraid to say, look at all the the great things that I've done. I don't. It doesn't have to be the conversation like that. So it's like, look at me, look at me. I, I think we we kind of jokingly talk about our self esteem, Bobby, and, and um, and and it is it, it can be awkward. I think the way you make that less awkward is when you're sitting down with your manager and and you're having the conversation about your performance it's just it's important to be um very candid about what your intentions are here and that can be look this this company is important to me this job is important to me this goal is important to me therefore i've really tried to be clear this year as to what i want to accomplish and what i want to give back to the business and here are the things that i worked on and here is how they line up with the commitments so I, I guess what what I'm saying, Bobby, is it doesn't have to be look at me, look at me, look at all these great things I did. It's more about this is important to me. This job is important to me. This co- I, I want to go places in this company, and here's here are the things that I'm doing to get there. And then don't wait till the end of the year to to have that kind of conversation, and that which kind of I think leads us into the last point. Yeah, two things you you mentioned there that I got to reflect on is one. If you do what we are talking about from the getting started perspective and you're having that candid conversation with your manager and you're telling them what Brian's saying, like, this is important to me. I want to be the best. I'm going to be the best. I want your help to make me be the best that I can possibly be. Then that shouldn't be an awkward conversation. And then if you if you work with him or her and you guys figure out how you're going to, going to be measured, all you're doing in your performance review is articulating how you did against your goals the people that you're talking about, Brian, that scream from the mountaintops about all the great stuff they've done, they've probably missed their quota. Uh, they probably haven't accomplished what they said they were going to accomplish. They were more of a, let me tell you what I can do, not look at what I did do. Um, but they're screaming, look at what I did do, because they didn't really do much. At the end of the day, if you tell the story about, hey, you told me my quota was a million dollars, I did $1.7 million. That's 70% over plan. 
that's not you bragging about it. That's just you reflecting on it. Your manager knows how many other people did 70% over plan or didn't do 70% over plan. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. whiner that comes into a performance review, and this will be my last point, but the whiner that comes into the performance review and did $700,000 on a million-dollar plan and said, I only did 70%. There's no way anybody else did 70%. It was a tough year. The market sucked. My partners weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And just complain and complain and complain. The manager also knows how many people did more than 70%. And you're, you're whittling yourself right down to the bottom of that bucket. So get prepared. Know what you're being measured against. Be able to report against that all year long. And the conversation shouldn't be awkward. If your manager makes it awkward, it might be a point where you need to reflect on, is this the right place for you to be? Um, because if they don't care as much as you care, that, that, that misalignment could be career detrimental for sure. Yeah. And think about how it line, think about how your performance helps their annual review process. Your boss, he or she is having a, an annual review about the same time you are right because you over delivered on your quota and you nailed a few spe- uh, stretch assignments doesn't that look so much better? I mean, they, they're, they're golden tasked with having uh, succession plans uh, exceeding uh, a quota on a group level to where you, they are going to have people on the team that miss their quota. It, it always happens, right? We've we've managed sales teams for many years. Not, you know, let's say half the team makes their number, right? So you, you kind of lean on the people that, that exceeded quota to cover the people that didn't make quota. Um, so think about how, how does your performance line up with your managers and your review as well that, that will do nothing but give you um, an extra spotlight. Okay, I have to say one more thing. I think one of the talents that I have is negotiating my quota. And I I didn't have it anywhere in this episode, but it should be something we should be talking about. Because when you talk about what you're being measured against, is the quota fair and and doable? No, I've never liked the quota that I got. And I've never just said, okay, I'll take that quota once it was given to me. I try to make it an exercise where we talk through it and work on it together. Um, in, In recent year, I have put together... Um, a quota comparison about all the accounts that were in the district, how big they were based on revenue, they're all public, how many employees they have because employees buy laptops and desktops. And let's just say that it seemed to be weighted disproportionately. And I didn't complain. I didn't I didn't gripe about any of it. I just made the data visible mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year to say, here's where I see the opportunity in the market for you to be successful Here's how much I got it. I'm going to go get my part and then some. Uh, if if this doesn't look like what you thought it was, I'm happy to help you reorganize it, but this is what it is. So don't be afraid to use some of this midterm and long-term benefits as part of your talk track could be your quota because quota will drive your compensation as well. So last piece on that, we'll maybe talk about it throughout the other episodes, but you can ask for less quota as part of this process as well. If you're the only one making your number, Man, give me a chance to blow it out and have these other people make their yeah. number kind of thing. Yeah. What are what are some other things, Bobby, that you've asked for over your career that you can that are kind of maybe less less about money, more about uh, things that can help impact your career? Honestly, I've always been techie. I've always tried to work a new gadget or something in for me, right? Like, hey, um, can I can I? I know my laptop's not up for refresh until next year, but any chance you can give me on the list early this year? I've asked to be part of club when I didn't earn the right to be part of club, but um, got pretty freaking close, and I'm sure there's a ticket laying around or somebody <laughs> that's not going to go because of maternity leave or something. I don't think I've ever got that one rewarded to me. Um, I, I definitely stock's always been a big one for me or any kind of 
equity kind of play. Uh, I would forego uh, a bird in the hand for uh, a potential to get that later in my career for sure. Um, I've asked for telco stuff, you know, where I, I knew I had a recurring expense on my yeah. on my data plan that I asked for that to be solved for. Any, I, I've probably thought through every little thing I can think of. The big one's extra time off. I've both officially, meaning I've asked for an extra week in the systems and tools where I could have time off, and then I've asked for a gentleman's agreement with my managers in the past where I'm going to get some extra time off, uh, and we agree that that's going to be okay, and we're going to both look the other way kind of thing. Yeah, one you uh, tipped me off to early on um, was the hypo program. Most companies have this, whether they call it hypo or not, which just stands for high potential or not. It, it It's basically a program for top performers in the company, and it's, it's generally a uh, special education program. Um and it, it's it's something that you sign up, you, you are signed up for by your manager or your manager's managers. Generally, there's like a council they put together to determine who these people will be. So that's something very specifically that you can ask for. Again, it's going to be predicated based off top performance year after year. They're, if you've missed your quota three years in a row, they're not going to bring you into this program. Uh, there's, you know, they also call this like a leadership development program. So every company has its own name. You should find out what that program is at your company as well. That's a perfect segue into our third part. Before we do that, though, the the first section of this Getting Started episode was understanding your company's review schedule, understanding how your part two is understanding how you're going to be measured, quota, commitments, MBOs, et cetera, and how you're going to weight those and then track those. And the third part of this episode is what Brian just said. If, if your company has a high pro program or a leadership development program, it probably means something to your manager. So part three is where does this stand? Where does this process stand in your leadership's, your leadership team's mindset? And how do they care? How much do they care about this process? So if they have a hypo program and you hear about it more than on the annual kickoff and on the annual review, then that's a it probably means something because that means your manager is working with his manager or her manager to find out who the top talented people are and who the high performers are. But if they don't, if they don't have at least a quarterly hypo meeting and some annual offsite for the high performance team leaders, leadership development team, something like that, then they probably aren't as focused on performance as I would want them to be. Um, that could be driven from a high. It might not be their fault. Their managers might not be telling them that it's important. They might not have heard the podcast. So they didn't know it was important. But at the end of the day, that was a joke. At the end of the day, the, they will tell you publicly how important people and performance is to them based on a hypo program. They might tell you uh, kind of just in the regular interactions that you have with them. If, if, you're, if you don't have a one-on-one I would say if you don't have at least a phone call every other week that is intended to be a one-on-one focused on you and your happiness and your career with your manager, then performance isn't important to them either. That's If your one-on-one is just about your deals and it, that's all you ever talk about, it's not important to your manager. Bobby, what if the uh, excuse, I can hear the excuses coming on the other side. Well, my boss, he doesn't want to talk about anything else other than the deals. You own your one-on-one, and uh, if your boss if your boss tells you otherwise, uh, well, how can I say this nicely? They're wrong, but you own the one-on-one. So yeah. the way you solve for that, Brian, the way I solve for it, the way I've tried to coach people to solve for it is 
if your boss doesn't know about your deals, that's your fault. Update yeah. Salesforce. Update yeah. whatever CRM tool you use. Make sure that the, the notes and next steps are in there. Make sure any uh, qualifying stages that you have to be met are communicated. Call your boss. Um, I, unless you have hundreds of accounts and hundreds of deals in flight that should all be updated in your CRM, then you should be able to have a five or ten minute conversation every other day with your manager to make sure they understand what you're doing, what's progressing, what's slowing a deal down, and when that deal is going to get done. So that when you do have that phone call or sit down face-to-face one-on-one, you maybe spend five minutes on it, but you landlock that five minutes to those deals and, and some quick updates. And then you talk in, uh, in broader scope about your performance, your career, the things you're trying to accomplish. And then you, you have to hold them accountable to that. So the way an annual review works by you fitting it into every weekly one-on-one is you saying, hey, I want to skip level with your manager to talk about my career. Your manager will agree, and you guys figure out, okay, I'll work on having that set up in the next 30 days. Great. Every week, you bring that back up. Are we? Uh, do we have a schedule? Are we getting closer? Here's what my agenda will be to, to have that skip level one-on-one. That throughout the year, then you have four skip level one-on-ones. All that culminates, Brian, into your performance review. It's, it's you driving that in every one-on-one that makes it easy for you to tell the story at the end of the year that, these people know what I'm trying to accomplish. They know the merit badges I want to get. They've helped me create the merit badge list. They're they're helping me create that. And I'm ongoing growing myself and my career at this company. It's really, I, as we talk about this, it's really all about communication and being an effective communicator in a lot of ways. If, you're, if your boss wants to dominate the one-on-one to, about deals, it's because he or she isn't comfortable with your deals. That does, it's not a bad thing. It just means that you know they have a responsibility commitment up level from them to be able to articulate what deals are 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 going to land and what deals aren't going to land right so if if they're dominating that conversation just specifically on deals and you can't ever get around to talking about career and development and the things that you're working on then then you need to do a better job of communicating ahead of time so tactically speaking if you have a one-on-one on Friday morning how about on Thursday send a summary on on what typically dominates the conversation. Maybe it's a status update, Bobby. Maybe it's an export from CRM that is every question they could possibly ask you so that when you get into the one-on-one, you kind of check the box of talking about the deals, but then you get into uh, having a conversation about uh, more strategic things um, that that impact your career. Just make sure that they don't think that's you sending them the agenda. So let's wrap this up. So uh, today was all about getting started. Next week's going to be about getting prepared And then the third episode is going to be all about getting that reward. Um, Hopefully you've you've taken some thoughts and feedback uh, that we've shared today. This got a little bit longer than our normal episode. The final point that we would say at at the beginning of the year and then throughout that year, you've got to be having the candid conversations with your boss. You've, You've got to know whether they're playing favoritism or not and what game you may or may not have to play throughout the year so that you can look like you are number one on their team. With that... As always, average is the enemy. Please share the podcast with a couple of friends this week. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.